Hello, hello everyone. This is Cree Mitchell. I know it's been a while and I do apologize. Been a lot of things going on, but I'm back and I'm glad to be back. And I pray that everything in your life is going fine. If it's not, we'll be praying for you, even in this broadcast, that God give you the miracles that you need and the strength you need to continue going through whatever it is that life has handed you past couple of weeks, I've been looking at something that has uh, come to me and I wanted to share it. It's just looking at the different things that are happening in the world and even in our nation with the gas prices and, and the issues with Russia and Ukraine. And it makes you grateful for the blessings that we have but it also makes you have to step back and pause and look at some things because it makes you realize that we're blessed to be a blessing, not just to consume it on ourselves. And I heard someone talking about the Ten Commandments and looking at different things, and some scriptures came to mind regarding it from the New Testament and what Jesus said. So I thought in this broadcast, we'd take a look at it. Why would God give the uh, children of Israel these 10 commandments they gave that he gave Moses that he wrote with his finger, God did, on tablets of stone to be read into their ears for them to hear? Those 10 commandments were given as a conduct of a way of life that they should live. He had brought them out of the land of Egypt where they lived basically according to what Pharaoh's rule was. Pharaoh was considered himself supreme ruler and God. And God, God the Father had brought them out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness. And he wanted to let them know with your newfound freedom, there are some things, some guidelines that you need in order for you to know how to relate to me, to yourself, and to others. And so he gave them the Ten Commandments, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 17. And I thought, I said, let me take a look at these commandments and then look at how they relate to us and why. You have to realize that in the Garden of Eden, there were no Ten Commandments. Adam was created in the image of God and Eve, and they were the only commandments they were given was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you eat of it, you're going to die. That was the only commandment they were given. All the trees of the garden they could eat, they were given the and they were told to till. They were given a job. When Adam sinned and the inward presence of God subsided from within him, a man had a sinful nature. Then there were things that God had to teach them, mankind to do, to know to do. Instead, at first, at the beginning, when Adam was created, they automatically, Adam knew automatically knew what to do, how to live, how to do. But because he willfully sinned, then man had to be retrained. His mind had to be retrained. And certain steps had to be set aside in order to help man's heart because his heart became a heart of stone. So God had to do various things and 
and send various people and speak to various ones whose hearts were open enough in order to get his word in them, to give them this hook to believe that God was going to give them a deliverer. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, uh, and we'll look at those now, the first one, it talks where God tells them, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shall have no other God before me. That was dealing with man's relationship with God. Because when Adam fell, that, that relationship was cut off to a point. It wasn't the way it was before. And so he had to teach the children of Israel who had been under bondage, who had a slavery mentality that with this new freedom, we have to, you have to develop a relationship with me so I can keep you and keep you in the freedom and you can walk in the blessings I have for you. So the first commandment of Exodus 20 and uh, 2 through 17 is that thou shalt have no other God but the one and only God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The next commandment, the second one is, you, thou shalt not make any graven image from anything in the heavens, above the earth, beneath, or in the waters. You shall not bow down and worship them. You let them know that I'm a jealous God. And he said, I'm punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generations to those who hate me because because of the fall they were underneath the law the harshness that the wages of sin is death and so he needed them to see you've got to keep looking for light you've got to start reaching toward light so therefore you have to look another way look at life a different way otherwise Punishment will come to you. The next one is, Thou shalt not misuse or take the name of the, the, the Lord thy God in vain. And in Exodus, he goes on to say, Anyone who the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, takes it in vain, uses it in the wrong way who uses it to discredit God, who uses it to demean him. All of these things will not take his name in vain. Don't call on him if you don't mean it. Don't curse with his name. And it's interesting that those first three deal again with man's relationship with God. The next one, Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And some people will say, what does that have to do with it? Well, it deals with man's relationship with man. Not just with God, but with man. You're going sliding down a little bit. He's letting them know, six days you shall labor and do work, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath that's holy unto God. So it's still dealing with man's relationship with God, but it's also dealing with man's relationship with man. In order for man to have the right relationship with himself, he has to have the relationship with God. And he goes on to saying, you shall not do any work, neither your 
you or your sons or your daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. Six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath. It is a tithe to God, and he made it holy. People say, well, some people have to work in hospitals or police officers or, or whatever. And they have jobs where they have to work on the Sabbath day. We're now under grace. And so you can take that in a whole nother different realm. But when, when you're under the law in the Old Testament, six days they worked, the Sabbath they were off. We're going to get to the grace part. The fifth one is honor thy father and thy mother that you may live long in the land with the Lord that God gives you. So now it's going from a relationship with God, a relationship with ourselves and God, and our, now it's a relationship with our parents and family. Then he says, you shall not murder, is the next one. The next one is thou shall not commit adultery, which has to deal with everyone, anything, anyone you come in contact with. Thou shalt not steal it. Anybody you come in contact with. You shall not bear false witness. Anybody that you come in contact with. You shall not covet or be jealous of him. Lust after anything that's your neighbor's, his wife, his house, his business, his money. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his donkey or his ox anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's the last one. That's the tenth one. And when you look at all of these, and I was thinking about it, you look at all of these commandments. God's relationship with man, man's relationship with God, and man's relationship with self in order to have a relationship with God, and then man's relationship with others, his family, and then others. And you realize, okay, then what did Jesus say? How do you pull all of that together? Because they just looked at it as being a set of rules. When you go to the New Testament and you look at the New Testament, you look at what Jesus said, St. Mark 12, 28 through 34. Jesus was asked by one of the teachers of the law, And he said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And this will give you insight into what God was trying to get, where he was trying to get them to. And Jesus said, the most important one, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, meaning First of all, the Lord your God, he's one. He's not God of prosperity, the God of uh, healing, the God of, he all, he is one. They had all these different gods for different things they needed, for rain or whatever. He said, no, the Lord your God is one God, one. You go to him for everything. So he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Spirit, soul, mind, will, emotions, and body. All that you have, all that you are. 
love him. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, which is in another passage. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandments than these. Love God. Some people say, well, there are only two. He gave you two commandments. You love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, actually, there were three, which is what the two commandments is divided into. You love God with everything that you have. You love yourself. Because you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. If you hate yourself, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor. Not like God wanted you to. So he's saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you have to go back and develop that relationship. And that Sabbath rest, it's cleansing for you. It's getting you where you need to be. And that Sabbath rest is a lot. It's not just a day. It's more than that. It's taking good care of you. Doing what's best for you. Because if you don't, if you don't love yourself, and if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of others. Jesus said that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that this is uh, Mark 12 and 31. This is what everything hung on. So we have to. We have to love ourselves. If you hate yourself, you will not be able to love anyone else. And you can always tell if people have an issue with self because of the way they treat other people. You will treat people the way you treat yourself. And we have to learn to love ourselves. Love ourselves enough to do what's right for our physical bodies, our spirit, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. The Bible says that we have to give an account of every deed done in our mortal bodies. Every deed. It's in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. Is where you'll find that scripture. So it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us might receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That includes the way we treat our bodies, whether we treat them in health or not, whether we put bad things in them or good things. What we feed our bodies, what we feed our mind, what we feed our soul, what we feed our spirit. This determines who we are and what we will become. And we will stay stagnant in a place if we do not feed ourselves life. And we don't do what's right for our physical bodies. And it doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. We need to do the best and do what's right for our physical bodies. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, Again, and what Jesus said, the greatest commandments. He condensed them all down. In the Old Testament, he had to teach, God was trying to teach them what love was. Love is, you don't put anything before me. You don't do any graven images. You remember the day that I set aside for you to rest? You spend time with me. Keep that holy. Take care of you. If your family's rest, your servants rest, all of that rest. Honor your parents. Love them. That's love. Don't commit murder. Don't willfully go out and decide to kill somebody because 
That's not done in love. That's not love. Don't commit adultery. Because if you love your spouse, or if you have love for your fellow man, then you won't try to take someone else's spouse. This is, don't steal. Don't take something that's not yours. If you love that person, you're not going to steal from them. If you love you, you're not going to you're not going to want to steal from you. You're not going to want anybody else to steal from you. Don't bear false witness against your neighbors. Don't lie on anyone. Don't make up stuff. That's not love. And don't sit there and be so and be envious of other people's things. Want it and covet it and try to plot and plan to take what they have. That's not love. And then Jesus <clears throat> goes on and says, all of these together is this, love God, love yourself, then you can love your fellow man. And those are the three things that, that we need to be doing. Now, the Apostle Paul did something fabulous. He also touched on the love thing, which I find it's more, it gives you more in depth. Because he talks about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I had the tongue of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I am a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise. I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I don't have a faith, and if I have a faith that moves mountains, but I don't possess love, I'm nothing. So it doesn't matter if I prophesy. It doesn't matter if I have a, a resounding voice, speaking all these languages, speaking tongues of men and of angels. I have all this knowledge. I can understand all these mysteries. I have faith to move mountains. But I don't have love of nothing. It says, if I possess, I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I might boast. But I don't have love of nothing. And he's saying love is much more than things that you do so that all of people see. He said, I'm going to bring it down to you. Jesus told you that we love God, love herself, and love man. Now I'm going to take half it. If you have love, first of all, it never fails. No matter what people do, it never fails. It doesn't die. It isn't exhausted keeps going. He said, but prophecies, they'll cease. Tongues, they'll be stilled. And where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part, but we prophesy in part, but when the complete comes, what dis that was complete comes, the incomplete of the small things will disappear. And I jumped to verse 8, because I want you to understand that uh, Love is a constant, solid force. In verse 4, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 describes love. He said, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. And it does not boast. It's not proud. Love just is. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not all about me, 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 me. That's not love. And that's not self-love. It's not easily angered. 
and it keeps no records of suffered wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices when righteousness and truth prevail. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And then, even though I jumped forward, back now to verse eight, it never fails. So it protects, it trusts, it hopes, and it always perseveres. And the world we live in is kind of hard because there's always things that you deal with and you combat, whether you're at work or going to the stores or at home or with family. And sometimes issues happen and you don't feel it. It doesn't make you happy. And sometimes you have to take yourself off and have a Sabbath rest between you and God so you can get some things straight so that you can walk in love. Because the love walk is more about taking us from one level to another in God. One level of glory to glory. The Bible talks about us going from glory to glory. And the love walk does that. It takes us. doesn't mean that you're a doormat. And you have to constantly let people abuse you. No. There are boundaries that you can draw. Romans 16, verse 17 says, Mark them that have divisions, that have caused divisions contrary to the doctrine that you've learned. And distance yourself. Have no dealing. I can love you at a distance. And keep moving. And you'll know when someone who has wronged you, you have gotten it over it and love has been perfected in that area because you will be able to see them or talk to them and that anxiety won't be there. The frustration won't be there. And you'll be able to move on. And it's a process. And it's a work of faith. And that's what we have to realize. In order for us to walk in love, we have to work, walk in faith. The Bible says, faith worketh by love. And that's something that we have to remember. That faith worketh, faith worketh by love. And that's the motivator. And I believe that's found in Book of James, but I'll keep looking for that. But faith and work go hand in hand. And you need them in order to, if you're believing for God to do some moves in your life and, uh, take you to the next level in some things, whether it's in your business or family or whatever may be, healing in your body. You need faith and love working together. They're, they're intertwined. And you have to, in order to love someone who's unlovable, you gotta walk by faith with it. Stay in the word and make the confession. And in order to believe by faith, you got to walk by love. You can't have hate in your heart and try to walk by faith. It's not going to work. And you may have to take yourself aside and deal with some issues and find out what the issues are that's got me feeling some kind of way. 
in order for me to get to the next level. But I want to encourage you that it's a process and there's going to always be something that will motivate you or challenge you to get to the next level in God with your faith and in your love walk. But his grace is there, his spirit is there. The word of God said his, his, his strength, his power is made perfect in our weakness. We just have to trust him to take us to that next level. So I want to encourage you to uh, keep reading the word, keep praying, keep confessing the word of God. And let the Holy Spirit take you to the next level in your faith and in your love. And, and you'll see that it's, it's written on the inside of us. Our hearts are no longer hearts of stone. If we believe in Jesus, we have hearts of flesh. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and encourage us. And he will bring that word up to us, to blanket us, and to keep us through whatever trials you're going through. I know some of you are going, I know we're all going through something. But whatever it is that you're going through, my prayers, Lord Jesus, give them the strength to trust you, that you will take them to the next level. Remove from them anything that's not of you. Take them to where you would have them to be. Give them the strength and courage to ride through these storms, knowing that you're bringing them out to great victory. In Jesus' name, we speak health and wholeness and deliverance and prosperity to their spirit, soul, mind, will, emotions, physical body, and even their finances. Father, even our nation, guide our leaders in the direction you would have them to go. Give them wise counselors. Help them to know what to do with this issue with Russia and the Ukraine, Father. And the Ukrainian people, blanket them, keep them, Father, safe in Jesus' name. And lead them, speak to them, and give them the wisdom they need in order for them to go to the next level in you. Keep their country and use it for your glory. Bring them out in great victory in Jesus' name. And we ask for a revival to take place in Russia. In Jesus' name, and that you change the leadership's mind, Father, or change the leadership. In Jesus' name, and we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.